You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Go with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 11. We're talking about holy. What is holy? God said in Peter, he said, be holy as I am holy. You know, and what he's talking about is being separated from the world and the world system, the world's thinking, the way the world acts. And he's calling us to a higher level. He's saying, come on, let's go. And he said, I'm going to help you be holy by giving you, when you accept Jesus Christ as a Lord, he places inside of you the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, I knew I was really different when I had... Um, uh, when I would try to go back to the world and I'd try to go back to a party, I'd try to go do things I normally did on the weekends because now I, I you know, I, I just, it, it was a transition. It's always a process, right? Aren't you glad God's a God of the process? He don't expect you to be perfect the next day. He just expects you to be growing. And so every once in a while I'd backslide and I'd go to these things. Man, but when I was there, it was like, man, something inside of me was just saying, you don't belong here anymore. This isn't you. My head was still saying, yeah, but this is, this is kind of what I do, and this is where my friends are. This is what I've always done. But my heart was saying, you ain't the same anymore. You're born again. Get out of there. You don't belong there anymore. And he would show me different things about people and circumstances, and I'd be like, wow, how come I never saw that this person was so hurting or this girl was so depressed or this, this guy was so messed up, and how come I never saw that? And I'd start seeing things from a different perspective, and I remember the last time I ever went to something like that, I was there, with, and I was talking to a girl, and the Lord just checked me and said, instead of, instead of messing around with her, lead her to Jesus. And I ended up, the last party I ever went to, I led her to Jesus. That was the last thing I did before I left. Why? Because he kept telling me, you don't belong here anymore. I'm going to separate you. That's what holiness is. I'm separating you from the world system for, for a purpose, for a purpose that's bigger than you. And, you know, sometimes, especially when you're younger, that can be lonely. I'm going to talk to all you younger people. I've watched my sons go through this. I've watched my daughter experience it because you're not always involved in all the boyfriend-girlfriend drama. And you're not always involved in the partying and the dope smoking and the cussing and all the crap of the world. Sometimes you'll be separated out. And you, there won't be as many people want to be around you. You know why? Because eagles don't flock like that. Only pigeons flock like that. We're called to be eagles, not pigeons. So you're going you're gonna to stand out. I remember my son Garrett's told this story to us many times that when he went to Mountain View, number one, he was a preacher's kid. Number two, he didn't do the things of the world. Number three, he was one of the only white kid maybe in the whole school. And uh, so, man, for the first two weeks, he said there was like a five-foot wall around him that no one would talk to him. He'd sit in the bleachers, and they wouldn't sit within five feet of him. He was totally isolated. Totally isolated. And for over two weeks, not one person said a word to him. And I'm thankful that Garrett just didn't just give in and start saying, you know, hey, man, let's, you know, what about, you know, let's do this and let's, let me get involved in that. And, you know, to be accepted, he just kept standing. 
And then, you know, of course now, you know, one guy started talking to him and then another and then another. And then he started playing sports there. And, you know, he's really excellent athlete and, uh, you know, in football and in basketball. And, you know, oh, doors started opening up to him. And now he's got some of the best friends. He's, the long-term friendships are from Mountain View Middle School. But there's a separation. Caden, I remember Caden was in high school. Uh, uh, there was a separation. Not everybody wanted to be around Caden. Not, not because Caden was beating people over the head with the Bible, nor was my sons, but because they knew they were different and they weren't involved in this and that. I want to say to you young people, it's okay. Rather, rather a year or two of loneliness and a lifetime of joy in heaven than a, than a moment of pleasure that will ruin your life for the rest of your life. It's okay. And God will fill your life with people and relationships that are good. And, hey, I'd rather have two or three friends I'd want, that I'd want to be in a foxhole with than a thousand friends that when I'm in a foxhole, they're running the other direction. Amen? And so I want to say to you young people, it's okay. You know, I watch my son sit at home on Friday and Saturday nights a lot of times and, you know, hang out at Whataburger till midnight with a couple of buddies and that, you know, and come home and not date as much or do as many things. But, man, I tell you, that, that, that's going to pay off because they planted seeds into their future that will bring great blessings in their life. So, young people, keep planting those seeds and watch what God does with your life. And if you want to see a living testimony of that, I'm one. I got saved at 18 my senior year, and man, I got separated out after I really, really started serving the Lord. But it's okay. My life has turned out great. Because I planted seeds then of standing up for God, and He honored me in it just like He's done many of you. So just keep standing. Just keep standing. Let God exalt you. He said if you'll honor Him, He'll honor you. And so, First uh, Peter chapter 2, we're talking about being holy, and God says it's my divinely loved friends. This is Paul writing, or Peter writing. Since you are a resident aliens and foreigners in this world. We're resident aliens and foreigners of the world. We're residents, but we're aliens and foreigners to the world system. But we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We're children of the Most High God. He's adopted. Everyone that has accepted Jesus Christ as boss, as Lord, has been now adopted by God. Now he's just not God. He's God our Father. Jesus isn't just, he's the Lord and King and High Priest of our life, but he's also our big brother. We're in the family of God now. We're citizens of heaven. And God said, I promoted you to such a level in my kingdom that you're an ambassador. You're not just some old citizen. You're an ambassador. When I think of ambassadors, I think of like military uniforms. They have that sash and, I mean, just like dressed up, sharp, you know. We're ambassadors to the king, to the world uh, as representatives of the kingdom of heaven in this life. And he said, he said, you're, you're aliens and foreigners of this world. And he said, I appeal to you to divorce yourselves from the evil desires that rage war within you. When we started talking about holiness, we said, you first got to win this battle. You know, there's all kinds of leadership statements about that. First, you have to learn to lead yourself before you can lead anyone else. A lot of people can't lead themselves, but they want to lead others. But they can't lead themselves. How do you know you're a leader of yourself? Is not, not in public. Not in public. 
But what you do secretly and privately, that's when you know you're in, you're in charge. That that war that's, that's waged within us to do right or wrong, to honor God or live in the world, when you start winning that war, that's when you know you're really leading yourself. Privately. Public victories, you know, they're just doing this thing. I don't know why they always want to glorify these mass murderers, but they're glorifying Jeffrey Dahmer. I wouldn't watch a stinking second of that. I won't promote that in one bit. That was wicked to wicked's uh, limit. Evil to the core. And, and uh, for some, if you've watched it, that's on you. I wouldn't get my mind and my attention on that. But I know they're glorifying that because I hear people talking about it. They're running news stories on it. And man, uh, we can't be glorifying that junk. But one thing I'll say, in public, he was normal. In private, he was evil to the core. So who, you got to win that war privately. You got to win that war privately because when you don't win wars secretly and privately, you know in public it's almost fake. Anybody ever felt that? That you know it's kind of like, man, I know I'm losing privately, but I'm gonna be fake. I'm just gonna act a certain way publicly. And you know though, it's not honest. It's not sincere. It's not what God wants it to be, which is real. That He wants you to be real. How do you know you're real? You're really right with God? That secretly when no one's looking and publicly when everybody's looking, you're the same. You're the same. Not perfect, but you're the same. You're honoring God with your life. That's how holy works. He said we have to divorce ourselves. The word divorce means to tear apart. Sometimes you got to rip, you got to tear yourself away from all that. I had to tear, but my friends I had that I partied with, I'd known them since I was a second grader. We'd been friends since second grade. And so it was hard to tear myself away from them. I truly still love them, still care for them. But man, I mean, they were my, they were friends. We, we, you know, we played army men together and we dated girl. I mean, we played sports together all our lives. I mean, we did life together from second grade, from seven years old on. And man, so it was, I had to, but I had to divorce myself from the things they were doing and the attitudes they had because they were living in the world. I had to rip myself away from them. Sometimes you got to, it's a tearing. It feels like a tearing. Some of you experience that with family. I had to do that with some of my family too. I had to distance myself from them. Not that I didn't love them, not that I didn't care for them, but because what they wanted to do and what they wanted to expose my wife and children to was not going to happen. And so I had to kind of tear away from that too. And it hurts. It's like a divorce. It hurt to lose those friendships at that time. They, they treated me differently. My family treated me differently till they all got saved. And, and so, man, there's a, there's a tearing away that has to take place. That's, that's what you have to do with sin. And we'll talk, talk more about that probably next Sunday. But let's go to the next line. He said, live honorable lives. Honorable. Live an honorable life. Honor God with your life. It's, it's not a lifestyle. It needs to become who you are. That, man, your, your, your heart is to honor God in how you conduct yourself, how you act. And we're not perfect at it. I'm not perfect at it. Man, I was watching sports the other day. Man, it just got me all off in a negative mood. My team is terrible. For the first time in my lifetime, my team is awful. And so, man, it got, and then I got off on the negative thinking, and, man, I had to repent last night and, uh, you know, talk to God about it again this morning. Golly, God, I don't want to let that take me there. That shouldn't bother me that much. And, you know, just all of us have areas to grow in, right? And it's okay as long as we're growing. 
as long as we're walking through that process because God has a plan. He said, live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. We're not called to just totally separate from the world. When he talks about separation, he's talking about separation in how we talk, how we think, how we act, and how we live. He's not talking about that we're not going to do business or work in or go to Walmart. It always blows my mind when people say, I'm not going to the church. There's a bunch of hypocrites there. All they want's my money. Well, Walmart, Walmart don't want you just hanging out. <laughs> you hang out too much and they're not buying nothing. Eventually, they're going to say, hey, what are you doing? Walmart, what does Walmart want? Money, they just don't want your presence. They don't, you don't walk in and they shout your name like cheers, you know. Yeah, everybody knows your name, you know. You walk in, they go, Michelle. No, man, they want your money. But you don't quit going there. God don't want your money, he wants your heart. He does feel that way about you when you show up. He's like, I'm glad you're in church today. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're praying. I'm glad you're in my presence. I'm glad you're reading your word. He celebrates you like that. Walmart's not, but he does. But they want your money. Every business wants your money. The IRS wants your money. The Mexico tax uh, uh, office wants your money. Carlisle wants your money. Everybody, everybody, you're doing business. You know, you're doing business, and you go to work to do what? You don't go in there and say, boss, I'm here to work for free. Please don't pay me. No one's doing that either. And there's hypocrites there, and there's bad people and good people, just like there is in the body of Christ, and there's people that are, that are you know, more mature than others, and there's people that are at this level, and people at this level, and people at this level. I mean, there's all kinds of people doing all kinds of things everywhere, but people don't stop going there. The only place they'll try to stop going is the church. Why? Because that's the only place that you can get help. The body of Christ. But God said when we leave the church, we're mixing with unbelievers, and, there's, and we should be living an honorable life in front of them. We should be honorable. I said we should be honorable. We don't steal. We don't take. The other day, uh, two things happened that I paid for something, and, we, and Colton and I thought this lady overpaid us, and she didn't, and we figured out she didn't. And then another time, a lady did overpay me because, you know, I heard this joke the other day about some of our young people that this mom was telling, she was a comedian, she was telling some jokes, and she said, you know, uh, she said something about her kids, and she said, uh, you know, I'm sorry, America, about her own kids, because she said, you know, our kids, this newer generation, man, they, they don't know how to read cursive. They don't know how to fill out a, they don't know what a letter and an envelope is. And she said, you think that's a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing because if they ever take over the country and they do bad, it'll be easy to take it back from them. Because we'll write all our plans in cursive and mail them to one another. And they won't know. They won't be able to read our secret plans. They'll be like, what kind of language is this? That's crazy stuff. All they know is block letters, right? I thought that was really funny. 
But we're going to mix with the world, and we need to set an example for our children of how we do it, how we mix, how this thing mixed up, but it's got to be some honor. It's got to be honor in it. So you get overpaid, so you give the money back. You don't steal from anybody. Your boss overpays you, you don't go, praise God, man, they made a banking mistake and gave me $10,000. You know, you read stories about that, that someone makes a mistake and sends someone 100 grand or something, and they're like, I'm not giving it back, I'm getting a lawyer. Well, once you do that, your 100 grand just left your hand. It's going to be in someone else's pocket called lawyer. And so, but you know, you just give it back. You don't wait for them to call you, you call them. Man, that'll step on some toes because some people think that's a windfall. No, what Satan's trying to do is set you up to test your honor to see if you are going to be a thief or not. Well, it's their mistake. Yeah, it is their mistake. That doesn't mean you take advantage of everybody's mistake. We got to be, we got to live honorably when we mix with the world, and that includes at work, at home. Listen, he says, Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers. Right now, I've never lived in a country in America where they accuse the church and Christians of being the evildoers, and they claim that people that are are evil are good. It's a prophecy. And they're going to say we're evildoers. We're evildoers because we believe there's only two biological sexes. That's evil now. Who would have thought? That it's evil to believe that men can't have babies. <laughs> College professor had 23 master's students in her class, and she said there's only two biological sexes, and 22 of them protested and left the classroom. And now she doesn't have any students, so the, the university, because she doesn't have a class, any classes to teach, have let her go over making that statement. I thank God for her because she stood up and said, I'm not backing down. There are only two biological sexes. I guarantee you, me saying that and that being online, I know I'm going to receive some hate emails and Facebook posts. And We received a Facebook post the other day. A lady said, I was thinking about coming to church on the move, but I heard that you asked for the W-2s of people, so I decided not to go, and then gave us a review of a one. I'm like, you didn't even come. You didn't even come and let us ask you for your W-2. At least give us a chance to prove it. That's not true. We don't ask anybody for that. That's just such a lie. But that happened last week. And I had to respond to it and send it into Google. And, you know, I didn't do that, you know, because, you know, I don't know how. But, you know, and <laughs> ask them to take it down because it wasn't based on an actual experience or any truth at all. It's not true. You guys know that. But that lot, these, again, they're looking for something evil about us. And Satan's trying to keep people away. I hope she's paying, listening or here or comes because I want her to experience what we're really about. And we're not perfect, but man, we, we're trying to be holy as God is holy, honorable in what we do. And so, anyway, man, we, we, they're going to accuse us of evil. It's evil to say there's only two biological sexes. It's evil to say that people are suffering from spiritual and mental issues that go outside of the two biological sexes. I mean, it's it's evil to say that now. But you know what? We're not not those that back down. 
We didn't put our hand to this plow and then let go and say, well, God, because it's hard or difficult or they're saying we're evil or bad or this, we're going to back down now. No, that's when you stand up. That's when your true faith is tested in what you really believe. And if you really love God and love people enough to say, I can't give in to those lies because if I do, I'm condemning them to death and I'm condemning myself. I can't encourage that. I have to love them enough and love God enough to stand up and say, I can't encourage you to believe that. That will curse your life in this life, and you'll spend an eternity in hell in the next if you keep living these lies. I love God too much and people too much, so we got to fade some heat. Then he says this, for they will see, they will see, if you keep standing and live honorably, he said, eventually they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day he visits us. So he says, as we mix with unbelievers and live an honorable life, we're going to do these things because we're different, because we act different, we think different, we give different, we live different. They're going to see things we do, even how we work our job or how we conduct our marriages or our families. They're going to see something different, and they're going to see how beautiful it is to serve the God that is holy. That it's beautiful. It's not ugly. It's beautiful. It's the best life, not the worst life. It's the best life. It's, it's a beautiful life to love God and to love others, to love your spouse, to love your kids, to, to love others enough to lay down parts of your life so they can, they can live, they can be blessed. It's a beautiful thing. And God said as we live like this holy and we live like this honorable lives that they will see things, they will see things that will cause them to seek God. Most of you had somebody praying for you, somebody that you knew that loved God, or you met somebody from the church, or you have a family member, somebody modeled that for you, somebody invited you here. Somehow you got to church, and you came, and, you, and then you started, you saw something in them that you, that you allowed them to influence you to come. I tell this story a lot because it really blesses me that my son Tucker got Caitlin here and then Caitlin came to know the Lord and then she brought her mama and her brother and her family and man, and then uh, Carlos, who's her husband now, well, man, he was influenced to come here and Pastor Sergio's mentored him and loved him and now they're married and man, they're serving God in the church and Michelle is serving the Lord. I mean, it's amazing how these, these things all connect and work. That's what God wants to happen because it's his heart that everyone is saved. He died. His blood was sufficient to, to not only remove sin. He didn't equal it out. He overwhelmed it. It was more than enough. So everyone has an opportunity, but it's a choice we all make. And it's a choice to live honorably among when you're mixed in with unbelievers, to let your light shine. And that's where I'm getting to. Go with me. Oh, man. Go with me to John. Where do I want to go? John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Ah, oh, this is so good, man. This is so good. Listen to what it says here. It says, Then Jesus said, I am the light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. He said, man, when we embrace Jesus as the Lord of our life, when we embrace his forgiveness, when we embrace his grace, his mercy, his love for us, when we embrace it, 
like embracing a loved one, like hugging a grandchild or hugging your, your spouse or hugging someone you really love. When you embrace it and it's intimate, it's, it's not uh, 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 sexual, it's, it's, it's love, it's, it's, it's a friendship, it's a family ship, it's something bigger than, than physical, it's, it's, it's emotional and spiritual. When we embrace Jesus like that, he said, we'll walk in the light and not in the darkness. We'll be holy, separated out from the darkness, to walk in the light. And then why does he do that? Oh, you're right there in John. Go with me to Matthew. Oh, where are we going to Matthew? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This just gets better. I said, this just gets better, church. He's calling us out. You know, he's just calling us out. We talked about three other things the last couple weeks. The last one was honoring your parents. You know, the first one was honoring God and then, then walking in love and then honoring your parents and your family. And now he's just calling us out in every area of our life. And what is he calling us to do? To shine. To shine in how we do what? How we serve. He says in, in Matthew 5, verse 16. Uh, actually, let's start just reading verse 14. He said, your lives light up the world. Whose lives? Our lives. Your lives. Your lives light up the world. For how can, how, how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? Now, there's two things he's going to deal with here. He's going to deal with the city, the community in which you live. Then he's going to deal with your house. And th there's a reason why he picked city and house, because he wants us to have an impact in the city and in the house. And he says, he says, how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Now he's talking about us as a church. We're not supposed to be obscure in some little corner of Roswell. Even though we built in the middle of a big field, in the middle of nowhere, are this light shining. He's talking about us together shining in the city. That's good stuff right there, man. Then he said this. He said, instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Now he goes to the house. He talks about the city, then the house. So we're supposed to shine in the city and shine in our own homes. It shouldn't just be a public persona we put on. It should be a private one we live. We live at home. Our kids, our spouses, our family should see the light inside of us. How do they do it? By our good works. What, what works do we do? We serve. We serve. We give. We love. We care. We pray. We pray at home for our loved ones, and we pray for the city. We do it individually in our homes and collectively as a church. Do you know that 39 of the 40 miracles and acts were all done someplace else other than the church? They were done in the street. They were done in the common places. They were done, they were done in prisons. 39 of the 40 miracles in the book of Acts, which the book of Acts is the, is the, it talks about the birth of the church. The birth of the church. And he said when the church was birthed, they, they came and did what Ephesians says, that the ministry gifts that are inside of me and the other ministers here are designed not, not to do all the work of the ministry. Our work in the ministry is to prepare you for your work in the ministry. Where's your ministry? In your house. Where's your ministry? At your school. Where's your ministry? At your job. Where's your ministry? It's to your family and everybody else you come in contact with. 
And God, can you imagine that? 39 of the 40 miracles were not in the church. They were among just people doing life. That's how we're supposed to shine. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, corporate America got involved and people got involved in the church and said, pastors, you do all the work. We're going to do nothing. We're going to watch you. Man, that's not what the Bible says. It clearly states that every minister gift, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, uh, pastor, teacher, all of them, it point blank says we're designed to prepare you for the work. We do our work by helping you do your work. And ministry is supposed to be taking place in every home, in every job, everywhere. It's supposed to be taking place everywhere. Everywhere you are, there should be ministry taking place. You have a ministry. You're an ambassador of the Most High God. Everywhere you go. And God wants you to shine. So he says, he says, uh, uh, next, he says, so don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others. Don't hide it. Let it shine. Let what shine? Your work ethic. What let shine? How you use your words. Man, I know people, gosh, you guys, you work in the world. Don't participate in the blank this and blank that and all the cussing and all the standing around. Don't participate. Don't do it. Don't participate in how the world acts. Just don't do it. You know, Tomas is sitting over here. I remember Tomas works in the oil fields. And man, that's a pretty rugged place. But I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony how Tomas is just, he's different. He's not going to talk about all the sexual things they talk. He's not going to cuss with them and do that. And it's different. And he's ministering every time he gets around those group of men, mostly men, when they act that way, there's a ministry taking place. Not that he's beating them over the head with the Bible. He's just separate. He's just separated his life out. His words are different. His attitude is different. He's, he goes there to work hard, and he's happier and more joyful. And I mean, there's just stuff that takes place when you minister to people just in how you conduct yourself then doors open because after a while because they see you as different they're not running to the darkness to get counsel they run to you they're like man I know you pray can you pray for my mama I know you pray my marriage is falling apart what do I do I don't know how many times when Daniel was working uh, out in the secular community hey man people would run to him and say Daniel what do I do here and what do I do here and then he'd bring them to church Say, man, come on. I'm going to bring you, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. Let's pray. And then I'm going to pray for your family. And you need to come to church. He'd always say, sit with my family. That's what you should say. Come sit with me. Come sit right with me. I don't know how many people I've invited to sit up here with my family. And how many of them have sit up with my family? They should sit with your family. You should just invite them. We should be a light to the world. We should shine bright. Uh, before others. And then he said this, so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them. So our what we do now shines a light upon them. It shines a light on them when we pray, when them when we lead them to Jesus, them and how we act, then the counsel we give them about marriage, about children, about finances, about life. We should shine upon them. Every one of us should be the best employee that any employer ever had. 
And it's not that they agree with what we believe, because I know a lot of these, a lot of you work for uh, employers that hate God and don't like any of that stuff, but you know what? They still employ you. Some of them, they promote you. Even though they hate what you maybe stand for or how you live, they, they still value you. If you're the best employee there and you love God, man, your light will shine upon them too. You have unbelievers in your household. Your light needs to shine upon them and how you live your life and how you serve. Come on now, church. God wants us to shine. He said, shine brightly. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your heavenly Father. I don't know about you guys, but I, you know, I had, I cussed like a sailor. Anybody else cussed like a sailor before you knew Jesus? There's a couple of you that are honest. The rest of you are like, what do you mean used to? That's why you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> God's still working on you. But, man, and now... I've reached, you know, God has retrained my thinking and my attitude. So now, instead of cussing, I'll say, praise God. When people drive terrible, I tell you what, I, I more and more appreciate, believe it or not, New Mexico drivers. Just go drive in the Dallas area of Texas. They don't know how to drive. Man, I mean, they like threw their driver's license and the rule book out the window. Seriously. Or in Oklahoma. And I think the number one worst drivers are in Arizona. We're surrounded by them. That's one thing we're not last in. Come on, New Mexico. But, but seriously, I've had to train my, instead of saying, you know, what I want to say, you know, Christian cussing is, you idiot, you're stupid, you know. You know, I don't even want to do that. So I've trained myself to go, to try to bite my tongue and say, God bless you, God bless you. God bless your stupid driving. No, I don't say, I, I want to say that. I probably have let that slip once or twice. But, and then I don't want to just say it out of anger and just some, so I'll even try to dial it back inside of myself and say, really, God, you know what? I know that their driving's terrible, but you know what, God, maybe no one's praying for them, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just speak a blessing over them and, you know, and just pray for them. Instead of cursing the people that are walking the streets and say, Dad, gummit, I don't like all these homeless here and all these people wanting the streets and doing I witnessed a fight on Main Street the other day between a homeless guy and somebody he had fended. And, I mean, they were just fighting right in the middle of Main Street. You know, instead of cursing that, you know, of course, a bunch of us called the police and said, Hey, man, you need to come deal with this stuff, but, um, which is the right thing to do. But, you know, I wonder about people walking the streets because I've had family on the street. Anybody have a family member that was ever on the street? And so I wonder, is anybody praying for them? Because that's somebody's daddy, somebody's son, somebody's daughter, maybe someone's grandma or grandpa. That's somebody's brother or sister. That's somebody's son. And I, I just, I stop and I say, instead of cursing that, I don't like it, but instead of cursing that, man, I want to I wanna just pray for them and say, God, please send laborers. Please help them to come to know you. You know, I know so many of you do that too. And guys, that's, that's switching the paradigm 
and starting to shine the light on it instead of just giving into the darkness. God said if you, if you embrace the light, he said you'll never walk in the darkness. Let's embrace that. That's, that's who we are. We're, we're a light to the world. He's the light. We're part of that. And our light needs to shine brightly over our homes, our, our children, our grandchildren, our community. It, oh, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than this life because this is God's principle and what he wants to, us to learn, to live, to live a life that what we leave behind is valuable. That what we leave behind is valuable. I said what we leave behind is valuable. There's no greater value than to leave an inheritance to your children and your children's children that mom and dad, grandma and grandpa loved Jesus and prayed thousands of prayers over their lives that are still my grandma's prayers. Man who went home to be with the Lord a long time ago, her prayers are still right before the Father because that's where she is. Leave something behind of value. Let's shine so brightly that this next generation is not left wondering if God is still alive, but they know He's still alive. And that we leave value to them, something that lives way beyond our own life. I want something that lives way beyond my own life. That's what we're doing together, church. We're building something that's going to live way beyond our own life. So don't give up and don't give in to the darkness. God said it would be dark, but he said they will not win. God wins, they lose. Amen? The darkness won't win. Satan's going to lose. Satan's going to lose. And let's let him lose some more people by us shining our light into their lives. Listen, every eye closed. Man, here and online, if you just can get still for a moment, Remove some distractions by closing your eyes and just focusing. This is a real important moment. For those who already know the Lord, you should be praying right now. This whole room should be full of prayer. Those who are online that know Jesus, you should be praying right now. You should be praying. Well, I'm watching this on Thursday. You should still be praying because someone else is watching it too that might not know the Lord. Or someone might be watching that has broken fellowship with God that needs to come home. So whether in this room or online, you have never prayed. If you've never prayed, you're looking, this is what you're looking for. You're not looking for me. You're not looking just for a church, even though you need a church. You're looking for the one who's the head of this church, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he died for my sins and yours so that we could have a life worth living and giving away on this planet and live forever with him in a place called heaven. He saved us. What did he save us from? He saved us from a miserable, selfish existence here. Darkness in this life, and then an eternal death in darkness forever. That's what he saved you from. But he didn't just save you from something. He saved you to something so much better. Jesus said, I came to give life, an abundant life. He wants to pour that inside of you, starting today. I was at a church, and I wasn't, I'd never prayed. I'd never prayed ever. First prayer I prayed was to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. Obviously, it changed my life forever. 
It changed my life forever. And it can change yours too, just like it's done thousands of people here at Church on the Moon. So if you've never prayed, this is your moment. He's the one you're looking for. He's the one that loves you more than anyone will ever love you and will teach you how to love Him and love others as you love yourself. And it's not a selfish love. It's a love, a giving love. It's a serving love. It's it's an overcomer's love. It's a victorious love. It's a winner's love. So if you've never prayed and you want to, whether online or here, we want to pray with you. Or maybe, like I said, you broke fellowship with God. You've known Him and you've broken fellowship by your choices, by your actions, by your attitudes. Maybe you're angry with God about something that happened, that whatever it was, but you've broken fellowship. And you need to restore your, your fellowship with God. You need to restore it. So whether it's your first time or your next time, we want to pray with you. So online, I want you just to send us a message right now. Say, I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the the next time. I, I broke fellowship with God, but I'm getting it right. I'm coming home. Or I'm praying for the first time and getting my life right with God. And I'm going to receive His love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, His Holy Spirit, and eternal life. In this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and say, it's me. I need to get right with God today. First time, next time. I just need to get right before I leave here. I want to get right. And so if that's you in this room, on the count of three, raise your hand up high and put it down. And then we'll all pray right where we're at, at home or here, right where you're seated. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand and say, it's me. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put those hands down. Okay. Let's all pray together. And you know, I, we can pray with you. I can lead you in a prayer, but you have to be sincere. It's your heart. Just be sincere and honest with God, and He'll honor it. So say this say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone, that you love me. It's personal to you. And that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. It was personal to him. And you raised him from the dead so you could save my life today. Thank you for loving me when I didn't love you. And because I believe that, I ask you, God, to forgive me for all the times I've sinned against you. And I receive, by the blood of Jesus, your forgiveness. And I say to you, Jesus, From this day onward, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life.
You gave your life for me. Now I give you my life. Live through me till I see you in heaven. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me now and for your word that teaches me how to live life to the full in this life till I see you in heaven in the next life. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. And I say, so be it done. Amen. Come on, church. Let's praise God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.